Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi everyone, welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. I'm Sam Moores and with me today I have Simon Owen. Hello. Hello. <laughs> welcome. Can you tell the audience a little bit about sort of who you are and what you do? So as Sam has said, my name is Simon Owen. I am the head of brand for Scalectric. Um, that role essentially means that I am in charge of the marketing and commercial function for the uh, famous toy brand Scalectric that I'm sure many of you listening in the UK and, and around the world will have played with as a child and, and hopefully still still play with and collect now yeah absolutely i was looking um i can't remember what i was doing i was something recently oh yeah i was visiting my dad and he had one of my old scale electric um kits in the just like in a cupboard somewhere and i was looking back and i think probably most people I, i'm 34 so i don't know how you, old you are but depending on so, same age, okay, the same age. So they might have had the same one. The one I had had an F forty and an XJ two twenty, um, and I at the time I had no idea what those cars were. They were just a red Ferrari type thing and a Jaguar, um, and spent many, 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 many hours honing them around, flying off into walls, and then uh, building. I think what else did I do? I tried to build some like jumps and stuff like that. Um, so lots and lots of, lots of fun. So I thought, oh, let's, let's reach out, see what, see what's going on. Um, so how, how did you get into all this? Have you, what's your sort of path been? So, so just like you, I had Scalatric when I was a, I was a child. I had a, uh, it's called Alpine Rally. It was a Sierra versus a 911 Turbo and it was two oh, rally nice. cars put together and they had lights and all this sort of stuff. That's my first, mm. you know, everyone as a child remembers that Christmas present they get, which just blows them away yeah that's like the best present i ever had so i remember that and then i got a, a formula one set for a birthday shortly afterwards a mansell 
Williams against the Santa Lotus. And I just sort of went from there, you know, as a child, every Christmas, every birthday, right up into sort of teenage years, I would get a scale electric car, maybe another set. And then while I was at, at sort of sixth form age, I started working in a local sort of toy and, and hobby shop. So I was okay. exposed to the brand again. Then when I went to university, did a, a history degree, not a marketing degree, not a engineering, nothing like that. And then when I came out of university, I joined Hornby Hobbies, originally as a researcher for the Airfix brand. So literally just nothing to do with commercials, nothing to do with marketing, just making sure the aircraft that we produced on Airfix sort of looked correct. But okay. it was just sort of sat in the office, always looking across at the Scale Electric team and, and sort of pining to go and work <laughs> over there. And a few years ago, I moved over to the marketing function on, on Scale Electric, uh, brand manager for a, a year and a bit, and then just recently became sort of head of brand. So it, it's it, it's been sort of a movement from from playing with it as a child, from selling it, and now to uh, heading up the team that markets it and decides what cars we do. That's that's, that's quite fun. Um, when you were when you were researching like models. What level of detail do you go into? Does that get uh, done? Yeah, I mean, for Airfix, it, it's yeah. absolutely incredible level of detail. That's down to sort of rivet detail, string of detail inside the fuselage, you know, where does this panel line change between these different versions? On, on that brand, just like on our Hornby Railways brand, it, it's absolutely minute detail. On Scale Electric, it, it's not quite so much. Yeah. Because there are toys. Even the most expensive scale electric car is still a toy. It does still run around a track. It just has to function. And we do have to have that functionality built into it. Yeah. Uh, so we've done a Lotus 25 recently, obviously very early 1960s Grand Prix car. Tiny little thing, absolutely tiny. <laughs> and that was quite difficult to make it accurate. We did have to make some small modifications to the shape and the design to fit physically fit a motor and a little 30-second scale Jim Clark in it. So, yeah. you know, on, on this brand now, we do still pay attention to detail. Our models are still accurate, but you do have to take some some liberties here and there with it. Yeah, 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 totally. And then presumably, let's say with that Lotus, you these cars get abused. Yeah. Like properly get like everyone that's ever played Scale Electrics, you get to the first corner and you've gone like full chat and off it goes, like flying into whatever solid objects are nearby. Um is it is it like it does presumably some of the design does it get adapted a bit to make them tough? So we, we have different sort of levels of the range. We have what's called our super resistant range, which consists of a couple, couple of Pagani, Huara, BC, Roadster, hypercars. Mm. We have a Lamborghini Centenario in that range. We have a made-up sort of hypercar designed ourselves and some GT cars. Yeah. These are single-piece mouldings. Uh, they are virtually indestructible. You can just smash them into a skateboard <laughs> at high speed and then just bounce off and, and come back for more. Obviously, the, the more high-end stuff we have, the uh, the six-wheel Tyrrell we've done and the Ethan Senna Lotuses and things like that, they are more fragile. They will sustain some playing with and some racing and things like that, but they will not survive a, a child, essentially, driving around the living room into the fireplace hearth every every yeah. other lap. But they're not designed for that. They're not built for that. They're no. not sold for that. So it, it's anything that goes in the set is robust, it is strong, and it is able to survive being played with. Anything that... Um, is a bit more high-end, but more obviously high-end. It's not quite so tough. But even with the, the sort of super-resistant stuff, it does teach children that if you uh, go too fast into a corner and crash, you will wreck your car. Um, <laughs> it isn't a Gran Turismo where you press a button and all of a sudden you're back on back on the track where you were, your time is made up and your spoiler's back on the back of the car. Yeah. These are real things. They're tangible. You hold them in your hand and, and you can break them. Yeah, and real, real consequences. I remember the one that always got me is like, you're, you're trying to do a race of however many laps, five laps, and you'd have to count them yourself and stuff like that. And um, and you'd come off 
and then your car's just miles away. And you've got to go and got to crawl across the room, find it, come back. You're in a rush. The person who you're with is probably like kicking it out of the way and whatnot. The cars over the years and the sort of scare electrics. Saying scare electrics, I realised I had no idea how you spelled scare electrics. And it seems to be one of those. Where did that name come from? So the name comes from scale, because they're all scale, and then yeah. electric. So it's scale, electric. Right. Makes sense. Um, in, in terms of the way of running across the room to get your card, I forget we now have wireless hand controllers, so there's no more sitting ah. on the most sitting next to the door where the plug socket is. You can now have the track on the floor, sit <laughs> on the sofa, or sit at the corner you always crash at. So there is that. You don't have to drag a wire across the room either and have it, a car sitting there. That's useful. How has the sort of tech changed over time? So we, we, we actually really quick to embrace new technology. A, a good sort of 20 years ago, we came up with Scalatric Digital. Scale digital means that each car has a, a digital chip in it. And uh, rather than standard scale electric, where you really just control the amount of current that goes to the rail, this time yeah. the track is always live. And your car actually controls how much current it sucks up, basically, or takes oh. in. And this means you can run up to six cars on one lane. Yeah. Um, so this is a great addition to uh, to what we offer because you can have oh, sort of six brilliant. cars fighting out, lane changing, all of that sort of thing. It's um, It's really, 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 really cool. And then recently we came up with Scale Electric Spark Plug, where instead of using digital hand controllers, you actually control the uh, racing from your phone. Okay. So you download an app, put a, do- a little dongle thing into the, where the power base goes, and uh, yeah, do, do everything off your, off your mobile phone. That's quite fun. That yeah. opens up a whole new world of possibility. Well, in, yeah. in my limited experience of Scale Electrics, of being able to not, like, it has to be on that, you put the car on the wrong track and then it's on their controller and off it goes and <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. I remember trying always at the time you'd be like try and get do like a little skid, you know, get it get enough speed that it sort of goes off yep. a bit. And then I saw, I was having a look on the website and you have some, some drift, is that like drift 360 or something? Yeah. What, so what's dr- in, in those? So the drift cars have a different guide blade on the front. So okay. the guide blade goes all the way around and uh, basically you can just spin them round and round and round. I could do donuts just all day, round and round and round like that. And uh, you're heading to a corner too fast rather than just coming off the track instead of the car spin and you can go back the way you came. So it essentially recreates real drifting, but on a, on a scale electric format using a pair of Mustangs. It is, for a set, it is one of our most enjoyable sets, especially for kids or people who don't want to race. They just want to have some fun because you can get larry angles, larry slides. It's super <laughs> fun. And how do they stay in? As opposed to uh, just flying the, out. Because the guide blades are just uh, a bit deeper. And because okay. they go around 360, you don't have that bit where the guide blade hits the end of its sort of travel yeah. almost and then pitches the car up. It just keeps on sliding around. Oh, that sounds mega. Over the years, you must have seen some crazy stuff people have done. I, I've, I've not really looked it up, but, but I wonder, I imagine, just from like my own home builds of age 10 or something, you know, you're like, okay, let's put some ramps in, let's make it go up a wall and whatever. Presumably some people have made some absolutely batshit stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some guys have made some absolutely incredible layouts, the real real 30-second scale versions of real circuits. We shared Suzuka on our uh, social media recently, which even had a little dip, and uh, <laughs> Bridge with 130R was absolutely incredible. People make full-size brands hatch layouts. Yeah, people do all sorts of crazy stuff like that. And then they add buildings and scenery and water effect and, and all sorts. And some of the rally tracks are amazing as well, using sort of cocoa powder as dirt and oh, nice. some weird sort of flower effect as snow. And, and yeah, some of the guys take it to the absolute extreme, and it's, it's just brilliant. And is it like, do you generally, do you find, are there like some, there's some hardcore 
fanatics that collect the older cars because presumably the cars you can't get all the cars that were available now yeah uh no yeah so our range sort of resets every year and not most most of the cars are sort of come in and come out you know they don't mm. sit in the range uh for a long period of time yeah we do have sort of hardcore collectors that have got one of every car we've made um we have sort of three different sort of groups of consumers we have the hardcore collectors they buy them they don't race them they just sit in the box and they collect them because they like having a collection of scale electric yeah. cars and slot cars we have the racer they race down at the local club or they race with friends and they buy the cars purely to use them. They modify them, they make them as quick as they can and their focus isn't necessarily what the car looks like, it's about how it handles. And we have our biggest consumer group, which is the third one, which are casual people, people that have a scale which at Christmas or birthdays and occasionally buy extra cars in order to, to use them. Uh, yeah. For sets, of course, we have another market as well, which are the mums and dads who buy them purely for the kids as a, as a present. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In, in terms of modifications, what sort of things do people do to them to make them faster? Uh, so you can do modifications to tyres, to chassis, the engines, all sorts. Anything you can do on a real car, even down to suspension. Not aero. Uh, they are <laughs> tiny little cars, so aero doesn't matter. Uh, but everything else, you can do all sorts of, of mods to to get a bit more performance out of them. Yeah, because I think I've seen, in, you know, sort of generic slot car type situation. People, you know, like, oh, this car's got more aero and whatnot. But yeah. presumably that doesn't have much effect unless they... No. No, super, not, super not with that sort of stuff. No, it's, it's all about mechanical grip through the tyres and the chassis. So do they get like little slicks and like heat them up and stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're not allowed to heat them up, but they treat them. They often put a sort of uh, sort of stuff on the tyres to, to like treat them. And, or something. Yeah. yeah, all sorts of stuff like that, yeah. it's that, That's a sort of different world to the one we inhabit, but some of the guys take it ex- extremely soon. I think they spend longer getting their little cars ready for slot car race day than i do get my car ready for a track day honestly <laughs> and far more time i just check it's got oil in it and air in the tires yeah yeah the wheels are not going to fall off and then off you go yeah, yeah that's quite interesting i it, it's 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 such a funny little like kind of world that you can sort of dive into how fast is this how fast in a standard are they all the same speed? Are they all got the same motor in? No, I mean, depending on the car, the sort of GT cars tend to be the quickest because the chassis design and things like that. I mean, in a in a real speed, we can get them up to, I think, around 30 mile an hour, which is still pretty quick. Scale speed, it's absolutely ridiculous, of course. Yeah. But um, yeah, they, they, you can get them to go pretty pretty quick. We have raced a, um, a scale electric Jaguar I-Pace against a real Jaguar I-Pace um, oh, racing nice. car we did it over a, a, a sh- quite a short like 20 meters and it was pretty neck and neck up at the end obviously we had the <laughs> we had the gap on acceleration but it topped out a bit quicker than us yeah i remember i can't remember was it a movie there's a movie i think where there's a race of like a little rc truck against the full-size monster truck and they, whoever's driving gets pissed off and just runs over the rc truck but i've seen <laughs> those sorts of things go so fast and it's so funny seeing something tiny move so quickly at the moment, the tech has changed a bit. We've got some all the digital stuff, the apps. Where do you see this sort of space going moving forwards? Is it? Do you find young people are still super interested, or are they more swayed by digital stuff and you know apps and games and things? Um, I, I, I think that young people are, are genuinely very interested in it. I mean, it's. The, the younger age group, obviously, it's, it's it's getting it in front of them. To be honest, I mean, things mm. like the my first scale electric that we do, and um, that's a that's a product for very young age or preschool age. Um, and that that when a young kid has a go on that, they absolutely adore it. Male, female, doesn't matter. They they love it. And then when mm. they get sort of early teens, that's when you tend to lose them a bit. Obviously, and a bit younger actually nowadays with games consoles and stuff like yeah. that. But um, it, it, then as they get older, 
then as they become fathers and old mums themselves, that's when they tend to see them coming back. So when a kid has a go on it, they love it. It's just getting them to ask for that present or getting in front of the parents and them understanding that they would want it. Yeah. And how do you approach that side of it? How do you get it in front of people? Um, we would do various different things. We do a big, uh, we do advertising television, uh, YouTube, um, social media, obviously bits and pieces like that. We have a large media campaign around our sets, our micro sets and our sort of toy 30 second scale sets. Mm. Um, we really, we were quite unique in the toy company because we don't tend actually to advertise to children. We actually advertise to parents because it's parents and grandparents yeah. that have a, an awareness of our product. So we actually advertise mainly to them. We have a bond set, so a micro bond set, which is very, very popular with kids even though kids can't go and see the film kids haven't gone to see no time to die and yet that yeah. set is one of our more popular items yeah i could totally see that like if i was buying one for my kid i've got a, a one month old at the moment so he's probably not quite there yet um but i would totally be like i want the xyz whatever the rally cars mm. or find something that interests me and then he would get the the version and then I, then I would play with it <laughs> yeah you talked about some of the the cool associations you've had through the years and the various sort of you know like little gt cars or i've seen some you've got like a mclaren f1 gtr and stuff like that how do you go about getting those deals how does the, all of that work and presumably there's there's a process of like what we'd like to have and then moving forward what can we get and and, and that sort of stuff yeah so in terms of the licensing with the car manufacturers that's something that sits sort of very closely with with myself mm. and, and the first thing we have to do as a brand of course is decide what license do we want you yeah. know in formula one for instance which one which team do we want to be associated with who are our competition associated with who are the most popular teams uh for road cars it's looking about who's got a, a reasonable breadth of range what do they offer and what who's who people heard of so for instance in the hypercar front you know would we work with somebody like the new gordon murray group or brabham that makes some really cool looking cars but how many parents on the high street have heard of them um we're actually working with pagani at the moment which is a bit more of a risk for us because again most people on the high street potentially haven't heard of pagani they have Mm. lamborghini who we work with and of porsche and things like that but you have to weigh up all these different options and bits and pieces before you start speaking to these licensors and then when you speak to them, obviously some of them aren't interested. They may have an exclusive deal with somebody else or they may not yeah. want their cars as slot cars. You do occasionally get that, not often. Um, and then you tend to have a, a meeting. Back in the pre-COVID, in the normal days, you'd go out and, and see them at their factory or their, their base. And yeah. I had an amazing trip to look around the Pagani factory in, uh, nice. in 2019, which is uh, – they, they do tours. And once COVID is finished, everybody needs to go go out there because it's like a little yeah. Italian town they've built inside the factory. It's absolutely – insane um you, you do something like that you go meet them and then you have to do all the financial work then to make sure it works with both parties you know how much percentage points you're going to pay for a license yeah. uh, how many cars do you have to produce what liveries can you do um so we okay. we pride ourselves in doing accurate racing liveries and some licensors aren't always that keen on the so we mm. say they're more uh that's where i just going the more controversial liveries from their past being accurately reproduced now so say they had a cigarette logo in the past, some manufacturer won't allow us to do those liveries at all. Yeah. Some will allow us to do those liveries accurately, so long as they are labelled as 18-plus products, which we do. Uh, okay. And some will allow us to do a sort of halfway house. So it's you have all of these different things to consider before you yeah. put it in. That's quite funny that they're eight, you, you'd have an 18-plus slot car. But, but I, I understand, because of the advertising, 
And then when you're, so with those ones that let's say they've got, you know, a historic racing car, let's just say it had a cigarette brand or, and all these cars often have multiple, multiple sponsors. Yep. Now, who has the license to that? Because they've got all of these different names on these cars. How does that work? So that this is a bit of a, a, a slightly awkward area, really. It's, an, it's just, Some of those sponsors will, we have to have a license with, uh, depending mm-hmm. on the look of the car. So, for instance, Golf. Yeah. If the car is blue and orange and has a Golf logo, it needs a Golf license. Okay. If that car is, uh, say, you know, Joe Bloggs somewhere, raced a BMW M3 in, in North America in 1991, yeah. and he had a tiny little Golf logo on the rear wing, then that is just part of the bigger livery, and you don't then need a license with that thing. It's if the whole okay. look of the car conforms to that licensor's uh, style guide and IP, basically. In terms okay. of all the little mini sponsors, what we tend to do is we tend to speak to the car's owner, the team owner. If it's a historical livery, we will try and speak to the team owner or the or driver, someone associated with it and mm. get their permission, basically, and say, look, well, you own this car now, can we recreate it? It's why you often see a, a famous car from the past, but we don't call it. AC Cobra Le Mans nineteen sixty three will say it's Goodwood twenty twenty one because yeah. I can speak to the owner at Goodwood and then <laughs> I mean, this has never happened. If anyone then comes after me, I can say, Well, you know, he's got his eyes in his real car. You know, it's yeah. you, you sort of do it like that. That's... And it's it, it, it's hard work and it's awkward and you do have to tread carefully. There's been a few cars we've got right near being able to do and suddenly have to go, hang on, this is going to result in a, an angry letter from somebody, so we can't do it. But it's just all about being open and transparent with everybody, yeah. the manufacturers, the guys that own the car and girls that own the car now, the teams. Modern stuff's easy because you go to the team and you say, look, you know, your guys, your Mercedes-AMG GT3, can we recreate this? Just to let you know, every sponsorship logo will be accurately reproduced. Is it okay if we're, they're all on there? And most sponsors, they say yes, because why wouldn't you want your logo being reproduced? It hits more people. I mean, Absolutely. you know, that, they did the Ava Motorsport than the nearest AMG GT3 that races in British GT. Yeah. ABBA commercials, I'm sure they're quite a big commercials firm, but I doubt many people in Australia would have heard of them. But a huge amount of those Mercedes cars have been raced by kids and adults in Australia. Now, that logo is flashing past them every time they play scale electric. So yeah. actually, for sponsors, it's a great way of increasing their reach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. That's, that must be really fun, doing that that side of it, researching, meeting people. Do you, do you very... Do you have a personal sort of bit of motorsport history or a certain style that you're like, oh, I love this, and therefore I, you know, you wouldn't necessarily officially admit that, but you're like, yeah, let's let's try and push it in this direction. I love GT GT racing. Let's go watch some GT racing. Yeah, I mean, I I love all motorsport. That's four wheels. Uh, I mean, mm. I'm not into bike racing, so you're not going to see bikes coming back on scale electric for a while because it's no <laughs> no desire of mine, and I'm not as into rally. Um, Wearing a bubble hat in a cold forest and hiding around a campfire is not not how I want to spend my November November yeah, afternoons. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love all motorsport. You know, I, I have a season pass of Brands Hatch. If I'm not at Brands Hatch, if there's nothing on, I'll travel further afield. I'll go to Coombs, Snetterton, Mallory, even Silverstone. Sometimes, and I'm really desperate to watch something in a grey bass of concrete. Um, you know, Goodwood, all the Goodwood events I go to. So any motorsport is great. You know, I watch anything from Bangor Racing to HSCC meetings. So it's all of it's good for me in terms of a personal favorite i like historic um i yeah. like anything from the early seven late 60s early 70s right up to the sort of mid 90s especially mm. touring cars and gts so that's that's sort of my my area that i really enjoy but then i also like you know two liter sports racing cars things like that the, the hscc martini 
pre-80 Endurance is a great series, really. The Acellas, the Chevrons, the Marches, there's some great cars in that. We would never do those cars. They're, they're completely esoteric and away from what we have to do as a mainstream manufacturer. But, you know, yeah, you, you do tend to choose liveries that you like best. And, and especially with the modern touring cars, there's certain drivers on the grid who I've enjoyed watching for a long time and I've sort of got to know over the past few years. And it's a much easier conversation for them to come to me and say, oh, we do our car. And it's like, yeah, of course we will. You know, yeah. you're my mate and yeah, you coach me on track days. Um, so it's... <laughs> There is some of that. But, you know, everything I do, I have to come back to the business and present to the board and to the sales guys with a hard financial line of, it's going to make us this. Because if anyone does listen to a podcast like this or hears me talking and goes, so why have you done so many of his, that guy's BMWs? <laughs> it's say, like, yeah, well, they deliver this, 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 and this. It's not just because, you know, yeah. he's a mate. Yeah, and, and you've got to, ultimately, you choose, the, you try and pitch to the right people. And then throughout the process, you get to know those people. So then you yeah. spend, you do more with those people. That's kind of how all of this stuff works. It's like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've done a load of cars belonging to Andrew Jordan from the Jordan Racing Team. Mm-hmm. This year, we've got a Mark Sumter Cortina. We've got his Mini Miglia. We've done his pre sixty six Mini and his the, the um, Cortina he shares with with Howard from Take That. We've done his BTCC cars, and I think oh, we're also nice. doing his Cobra, dra- the Dragon Snake Cobra That's at some sick. point potentially in the future. So you know, it's you do have to. You form these relationships and it just becomes easier. They have great cars. They're great guys to work with. He sends me paint chips, sends me information. I can go and see him you know, whenever he's, whenever he's free. It just becomes a much, much easier thing to do. And they have great cars. You know, it, yeah. it's, you know, the other relationship we have that's great at the moment is with uh, Duncan Hamilton Rothko, uh, just mm-hmm. down near Basingstoke. That's an incredible collection and it's a real privilege that they allow me access to it and to the Duncan Hamilton sales side on the other side as well. So, yeah, you do form these relationships and it just becomes easier, you know, Rather than speaking to someone new to do a car, I can get one just as yeah. good with a team I've already already worked with. On GT racing, we do a huge amount of stuff with TF Sport and and Ram Ram Motorsport as well with the Mercedes for Ram and TF is the Astons. But you know, when we have new cars, we've got the Porsche now, we're all speaking to new teams. Yeah, that sounds it sounds it sounds like you get to sort of you're based around doing all this stuff with Scalatrics, but it sounds like it's actually a, for for you a super broad if you like cars and motor racing and stuff, you get to deal with all of these interesting people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a wide range of things as well. You know, it's um, everything from, from rally, modern rally, historic rally, right up to right down, even right across to club racing. We sponsor the uh, BRSCC modified Ford series, which is proper club racing. Bunch of, bunch of guys from mainly from the special around the country, actually racing escort Mark ones, twos, Cosworth, Safi Cosworth. Okay proper three-door Cosworths and I love club racing I love that feel of club racing why do I yeah. want to spend a thousand thousand people at a touring car meeting watching half as many races when I can go to a beer SCC or 750 motor club race meeting and watch huge amounts of stuff get full access to the paddock access to the drivers and be almost alone on the bank with me sandwiches and a magazine you know it, yeah. it's it, it's proper nerdy motorsport but it's the best <laughs> form of motorsport because it's it's pure there's no messing around there's no balance of performance it's just go out there and have some fun with your cars, lads. And we we sponsor that series. We give them prizes, and the cars carry our logo. Nice. We're doing doing some other bits, some other series. We're doing work with the MSVR um, KA Endurance series. Oh, that sounds uh, wicked. That, yeah, that purely, series. You know, they're, they're great fun to watch those races, and they, they do some great stuff. So again, we're giving them some prizes and doing some bits and pieces with them, and then right up to our license for Formula E. You know, the forefront of modern technology. The, of, a motorsport which is going in a different direction in many ways mm. to the rest of the motorsport out there and it's 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 very very new very very modern very very high tech and and we're um 
we're a partner with them and we do some formula resets and then of course there's, there's formula one with teams which we hope to be working with soon so it's for me as a motorsport fan i, I can't think of many other jobs or, or career paths where you can do this much and this much of different stuff as well you know i can yeah. be looking I, I since becoming head of brand i'm doing much more office-based stuff it's much more excel and financial mm. but when i was brand manager and then really going out and about i'd spend the morning at historic race preparations you know looking at somewhere that's got everything from mg midgets and, and heelys to, to sierra cosworths and then in the afternoon you go see a modern gt3 or touring car team everything's yeah polished white walls and stuff so it, it's a real mix of stuff and you know, get to see some some great events that's such a such a such a diverse mix and and yeah i'm actually struggling to think of an industry where you get to dabble up other than let's say doing what i do but i don't do that much like okay i get to talk to a lot of different people and whatnot but such a diverse mix of teams and people and situations you get to go to all of this wide variety of events and whatnot um is there one that stands out is there one that's your like particular that's my favorite yeah at Le Mans classic oh that's the one yeah that, <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt I mean that is that is just another level of Goodwin's great Goodwin is absolutely brilliant uh, but Goodwin's actually quite narrow in terms of what you see at times yeah. uh, you know it, it tends to be the same cars and it tends to be because I do a lot of watching a lot of motorsport in the UK yeah it tends to be the same cars that Goodwin does there are most of the time Masters HSCC except some of the big races. Whereas Le Mans Classic, you get this incredible sort of 1920s mix in Plateau 1. Right up these days, you have the, uh, I think it's Peter Auto race there with their 90s endurance legends and stuff like that. You know, it's got this huge mix. And then you're at Le Mans, which is this incredible circuit. And so in terms of the cars, that's the number one sort of event and everything else around it is just so good. But it's... So at the start of the year, I get my calendar. I mark out all the different motorsport events I want to go to throughout the year. And some I colour in, some I colour in red. Yeah. In, so I share the calendar with my partner and I say, listen, love, whatever you think you've got on that weekend, <laughs> I'm not there. And in actual fact, the number one for that is the Classic Sports Car Club in the UK. Okay. Purely because they have these special saloons and mod sports, which are just the most bonkers creations from right from the 70s to now. They have the great 60s, 70s, 80s. All the sort of motorsport I love, GTs and saloons, mixed together, proper club motorsport, great friendly. It costs, and I've got my pass most of the time, but if yeah. I have to go pay to get in, it's £15 for like a whole day's worth of action. So, yeah, it's probably that. It's- that sounds pretty good. The, that group, um, I, had, I did for a couple of years, um, did the f- photography for a, a bunch of events for the, they're now called the Endurance Racing Legends. Um, so that 90s, 2000s Le Mans cars group. Oh, cool. And it was sick. <laughs> it's just, I didn't realise until fairly recently, or at least until I started doing that, that people owned those cars. I didn't really know you could buy them. You sort of can. Yeah. Um, and then ran them. And, and I guess with the sort of advent of, of that club, and then there's now a historics one as well, um, that people are driving all of these cars that i didn't watch much motorbikes as i say but i definitely tuned in a little bit for le mans and stuff every now and then and see like a 997 rsr driving down the whatever molsan to then go to le mans classic which is as i've been been once and it was just like you said for anyone that's not been it is it's just the sickest stuff like the and a full spread you get absolutely everything pretty much 
there. I mean, you know, if we worked it. We did it as an event. We were there having, mm. a, having a little stand. And, you know, when you see you've been working all day and tired and it was so hot and we went, it was sort of 40 degrees. Which yeah. Was great. And um, sort of sat in this grandstand. I probably should go home. And the sun was just <laughs> gone down. And then a 917 comes up to you blasting through the Porsche curves. You think, I'm probably going to stay <laughs> at least until sort of four or five in the morning. And then in this case, you know, it's just another world. And, can, and I can access the cars. Any any motorsport where during the lunch break or during the break, you can go and actually look at the cars up close and yeah. chat to the drivers and the mechanics. That's what it's all about. And that's why the really big events, I don't go to the Grand Prix because, you know, you sit in a crowd and you can't see that much. I actually can see more watching on, at home. I can't get in the pits. I can't go look at the cars. I can't take a close interest. Right, fair enough. You know, it's silly that to be expected that you would. Uh, but that's, that's why I prefer the, uh, the sort of smaller events. Yeah, 100%. Like, I, I've been to one or two F1 races and I, I, I didn't really... I didn't really find it that interesting. Like it was, it, you know, it's cool to see the cars go past and stuff. I went to spa, but like you said, you can't get any access. And then I went, started going to these yeah. historic events and let's just, we'll just talk about Le Mans classic because that's the, the sort of biggest one. I probably, um, you can go in and now they've got these modern classes as well. So if you like the more mm. modern cars, they have cars up to sort of 2012, um, which basically look like the current ones, except sound, obscene <laughs> yeah well in terms of course that being as we're the same age it does make you feel a bit old when you go to watch a <laughs> um for instance at silverstone in march classic touring car racing club i got a uh, cast for the super tourers yeah it's a classic series i'm thinking i remember them <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I about that vector i remember having a poster of that 406 on my wall i remember having a scale electric car that mondeo like yeah. these are now historic like these are classic cars it's <laughs> weird it, it is weird and uh, i have a a Gen 2 997 GT3 RS um, that I've owned for nine years now. Mm. And that's now considered a modern classic. And I don't know... Yeah, what... you probably get that classic insurance for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And up until fairly recently, it just didn't click in my head that it's actually not a new car. Like, because mm. I've had it since it was reasonably new and you look back, but... Well, I bought a new car on Friday. It's just a Mercedes diesel estate and it's like a 20... Uh, I think it's a 2012 plate. Yeah. And I got it home. My partner was like, oh, this is really cool. It's got all like heated seats and stuff. And I was like, yeah, all modern cars do this. It just happens that my car, you know, the other car I've got was built in 1993, love, and that has no modern cars. <laughs> so, you know, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing to think how much car technology has moved on, especially in motorsport. And because you, you look at those modern endurance legends and you think, oh, yeah, they would, they'd do a right on a modern grid. And then you actually look at the lap times and some decent guys driving them and you think, yeah. no, they're seconds and seconds off the pace of a modern GT3 car. Yeah. And and then you look at yeah cuz modern GT3 or GTE are they're not that different to LMP2 which no. when you look no. at the cars and you look at one which is like a prototype you're like this looks like a race mm. car okay they both are race cars one more like you know road car but the difference is not that much in terms of I know they're restricted and they're all restricted and blah 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 but but I, I think a GT, GT3s are restricted more than LMP2. So it's kind of like, you know, if they really took the reins off GT3, if they really let them go nuts on it, you, it would set up a, a horsepower and aero race that would dilute the manufacturers involved, which would be awful. But it would be kind of cool to see it one absolutely. It would be cool. Because uh, Super GT, the Japanese series, is that what it's called? Um, that's, yeah. that's a bit like 
GT3 but unhinged. I know they're they not. Two cars. They're, they're, they have GT300, which is GT3 rules now, but you're allowed to have other chassis in it and it's all yeah. balanced together. And GT500, which is the same as what DTM was, but GT500 is like NMP three yes. or two pace, I think. It, that, that stuff is, is seriously quick. And that's actually a, a category we'd love to do, but dealing with the Japanese teams and, and manufacturers is a bit of a step too far at times for us. Yeah, I imagine that's quite... It's trickier. There is a language barrier, yeah. My Japanese is not not great. <laughs> no, mine is awful. Um, yeah, actually, because that's probably a good thing, being based in the UK, we have so many of these teams, so many of the international teams yeah. are in the UK, and they're all kind of in one area, really. Yeah, they are. I mean, Formula 1, they are a lot of GT, they are. And also, we have a lot of big series visit here. It, it's, you know, we... We obviously have British in terms of GT racing. We have British GT, which is a great source of liveries and cars for us. But then we also have the SRO come over. They go to Brands for the uh, the sprint, and mm. they go to Silverstone for the endurance, which I'd always attend the sprint at Brands at least. Um, and then, you know, the other series and stuff, normally there's a British driver kicking around somewhere in that series we can contact and, and be introduced to a team that way. So Magic Name doesn't open doors worldwide quite as much as it does in the UK. But the, the strength of it in the UK means it, it's rare to speak to a team or a driver and say you work for scale electric and not elicit a, a positive response yeah yeah it's so good I, everyone oh, uh, definitely in the motorsport world car world they're gonna have had a scale electric set at some point they, well the, the thing is so many people began their career like that way ross braun designed slot car chassis back in the 60s before he moved on to real cars jensen button raced scale electric when he was young uh, you know there's not many british drivers who haven't had a scale electric set and haven't learned in a way, how to drive a car on a scale electric set. For us, you, you know, you can play with our My First stuff much younger than you can a proper simulator, and it teaches yeah. you control and, and, and car control and then sort of taming the aggression into the corners and fast in, slow out, all those yeah. motorsport cliches that the drivers <laughs> need to learn. Yeah, and absolutely, I think everyone, like when I was just having a look and seeing who we could have on the podcast and whatnot, and I came across scale electrics, and I think most people have the response of they're like, they just it puts a smile on their face straight away. They're like, yeah, I like that brand. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. And, and that whole ethos for us behind our brand is that it must be fun. Whether you find fun collecting 1960s Aston Martins that are produced in one colour as a mould flush, mm. hey, if that's how you, what you find fun, then you fill your boots, mate. Yeah, that's great. Whether you find fun deliberately smashing the cars into a wall so many pieces <laughs> you can break them into, that's fine. It doesn't matter what purpose that we've developed the cars for. What matters is the consumer, the end user, whoever that is, wherever they're from, wherever they are, they enjoy it. That's all that we care about. We don't care how you enjoy our products, just enjoy them. Yeah, it's cool. And I guess like real racing, if there's like, like let's say GT3 racing, one of the big things about GT3 racing, not that they market it at all, and it's not really a particular reason to watch it, is there is unbelievable crashes. And therefore, <laughs> the manufacturers are selling a lot of parts. So that also works for Skeletrics. <laughs> yeah, we don't really sell parts as much. Uh, but uh, well, yeah, it works for us in terms of that like, the cars are exciting <laughs> and then they are able to crash our cars and able to have the occasional bump yeah that definitely is a, it's a bonus <laughs> it's, uh, I don't, where is it that there's that track um, is it Macau that there's just every year there's just yeah. unbelievable I don't understand how that circuit is still kind of there because yeah I mean power, power is even worse in the south of France but yeah Macau is uh, is an exciting one I think the teams only go there for the end of year party I yeah. <laughs> believe that is the reason they, they take the cars and the stuff over there for it to get smashed up. I believe afterwards it all goes a bit nuts. So, yeah, like, well, we were going we to build a new car next year anyway. <laughs> Let's put 
50 GT cars into one corner, see how it goes. Yeah, and let's make it so that if one of them spins, the rest can't get anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I actually find the single-seater races around there scarier because that's quicker and uh, oh, yeah. a little bit more exposed. And they have, um, there's this whole uh, sausage curb thing at the moment mm. where a whole bunch of drivers have been really badly injured um, by cars yeah. just, just getting kicked up in the air. Um, and I think it, I think it's Macau actually where uh, was it uh, F so was it, it was F3, Sophia F3? Hirsch, wasn't it I think yeah. the F3 driver got launched over the back of somebody and basically impacted the camera tower about 10 feet up yeah absolutely horrific horrendous. absolutely horrific like, and that, that is something I think you know although I go to Brands Hatch and I'm like oh, another layer of fencing in actual fact with the speeds of modern cars if you want to see modern cars at a circuit and everyone to be kept safe, then it's just something you've got to get used to. You've got to have that fence and you've got to have that distance. The last thing you want is a car ending up in the spectator area or a car no. coming to too, too short a stop. So no. it, it is where it is for me on motorsport. Oh. And I think Goodwood is, I'm always amazed when I go to Goodwood how close you are and how little there is in between you and the cars. It's great for spectator, it's great for photography, but core, it's, um, it's a bit it, eye-opening, some of the speeds, some of the Whitson Trophy cars. It is. And you look at some of this stuff and they, as... As a driver on some level, um, I'm very wary of what can happen and, and mm. safety elements. And you look at certain circuits and certain stars of cars. And I think when you first go and watch motorsport, you're like, great, you know, I'll, I'll stand here and it's all good. And then you, and then you start seeing you know, more accidents. And let's say Goodwood, for example. And you start realizing that cars seem to end up in places where you do not expect cars to end up and like as a spectator you've got to really be careful i guess the one that's insane for that and i've never gone to watch it and actually that's something i need to change rallying the the fans for rallying and i think i've seen some stuff recently from like finland and places like that where they're just on the side of the track with the phone out I mean, I've got to be honest, if that's me, I probably am going to be at the side of the track. But at least I'm going to be on the inside of the corner rather than the outside. I think that's um, when you see a very obvious escape road and people trying to watch from there, you think that's just it's a recipe for disaster. But I think motorsport is, you feel it, don't you? It's not just about the look of the cars. It's the yeah. noise. It's the sound. You know, a great big American V8 in the back of a 400 or 5,000 or a Can-Am car goes past you. You feel that. It's not just a noise. Yeah. You, if, if, you feel it. And you don't want to lose that. You want to be close enough for that. It's just having a, a good medium whereby tracks are safe for the driver, they're safe for the spectator, but that feeling of closeness and that feeling of excitement isn't isn't lost. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you definitely find the more of that there's that disconnect between those two, whether it's mm-hmm. um like rallying, you know, you see those you see that is a car that you see on the street, whether it's your Fiesta or it's not a Fiesta anymore. Um, is it a Puma now? Um, Puma now, yeah. Uh, they, uh, yeah, and then it's been pumped up and you can see it on the track, which is such an amazing thing. I've always thought it would be really cool if manufacturers, let's say the Puma is not particularly car. I, I, I like the Fiesta, but like, if they did a wide body, stupid rally kit for the road car, well, I mean, look, you know, we grew up in the 90s. You know, you had Escort, Cozzies, Evos, yeah. Celica ST205, GT4s, all of that sort of stuff, R500s, you know, Alpha Male 155s coming with an extra wing in the boot for yeah. the Silverstone edition so they can race some touring cars. And that, that homologation special stuff is missing, I think, at the moment. Toto done it with the Yaris-ish. Yes. Ish. But, yeah, I mean, I, I love seeing wide-body stuff and, you know, anything that 
most normal people walking down the street look at it and go, that's horrible. I'm like, nah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, one of my all-time favourite cars is the F40. Yeah. But I want an F40. I want an F40 LM. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's I fair. Want bit the, wider the, the triple rear wing with the extra plane down the middle and the bbs wheels and the, the big front splitter and i know it's actually slower it doesn't get to 200 because the aero it's got more downforce yeah, yeah, yeah. don't care it looks like a racing car and yeah. that, that's what uh, i think is a bit missing from modern motorsport you don't have that obvious move over into into the road but that whole thing was it unsustainable wasn't it the rally rally moved away from it so the touring and gt so because yeah i think bit nuts rally there, there needs to be a some sort of change of how it's televised and marketed i think um we've had with f1 with the uh drive to survive series mm. on netflix i i didn't really follow f1 that much i thought i didn't find it very interesting at all um and then watched drive to survive i think like a hundred bazillion people and, and went oh now there's i've found out so much more about the stories behind it's actually yeah. much more interesting. And I now watch a lot more F1 races and watch the Drive to Survive series when it come comes out, but watch a lot more F1. It'd be really cool to see some more series like that in rallying and, and the way yeah. it's televised, because it's not that easy to watch. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, Drive to Survive has got so many people I know watched last year's Formula 1 season. From the start, You know, a lot of people started yeah. watching it when it was clear what was going on of how close it was and how fierce the rivalry was. But they watched it from the start because they watched Draft to Survive because it was so good. And I think fair play to Liberty and the current Formula 1 management for allowing that access. I mean, a few years ago, you didn't see Formula 1 on YouTube. You flick in for YouTube videos no. that weren't official Formula 1 content. Now there is. And it's 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 embracing that world and, and bringing that so properness to it. And, and there's so many stories like that in motorsport. From yeah. every category you go to, there's a rivalry. Mm. And you can normally pick that up pretty quickly in a paddock and on, on track. So exposing that to a bigger world is is, is great yeah absolutely yeah, you, as you're saying with f1 they i think until very recently drivers weren't allowed to tweet post on social media do anything during a race weekend mm. you're like guys this is marketing this is free money for you yeah yeah let us let us know the drivers get to feel a, a affinity yeah. with them and then we'll buy their merch and we'll support them and we'll come to the races and we'll watch it on tv so yeah they, they've, they've tweaked that now and it's all pretty pretty good and it is so much more interesting getting a a rounder picture of a, a person mm. rather than just literally their lap time that's it what car they're yeah. driving in their lap time versus yeah, like you want things they get like to know them more to either like them or dislike them so you can feel just more involved in it exactly you need people that you like and you need people that you hate like i don't actually particularly hate anyone but like mm. if if you've got those two things it, it makes it much more interesting. But we, we all have our favourites, and I'm sure everyone, and much of listened to the podcast, got their opinions on the end of the Grand Prix season. And how oh, yes. And... What, what are your opinions on the end of the uh, Grand Prix season? My opinion is, I, I don't mind the result, because I was quite happy to see someone other than Lewis. Not I like Lewis. He's a great... He's a very, very... No, he's probably one of the greatest ever Formula 1 drivers. Yeah. Um, and Max, I think, is a, is a very worthy champion. But how it happened doesn't sit well with me. Um if it had been a clear fight and Max had won, I think it would have sat better. Yeah. But it is what it is. You can't change it now. All they can do is learn from that and uh, try to make sure next... And I don't understand with Formula 1 why they will not just do what they do in bloody touring cars, which is when they have a safety car, add the laps onto the end of the race. Yeah. So if you're behind the safety car for 10 laps, a 60-lap race, it becomes a 70-lap race, and you have to build enough fuel in for that eventuality. Done. None of this then would happen. You wouldn't have any of those problems. You could let the lap cars through because you get the laps into the, the race. And then we'd have had a proper showdown at the end, yeah. I guess, because I feel they won't do that. But, yeah, I, I felt bad for Mercedes to, to lose in that way. And Lewis to lose that way. He didn't do anything wrong. He drove a 
pretty spotless race. He but, absolutely um, smashed it. Yeah. It, it was nice to see, you know, it's nice for, as a Formula One fan, if we look back over the history of it, not to have that, that era completely dominated by one team. It's nice to have a footnote of somebody else. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's such a, it's, the, I think the result I wanted was Ferrari to dominate every single race <laughs> and win everything. And that wasn't going to happen. So it, it really made no odds to me. You never know. It might happen next year. Unlikely. Oh, possibly. Got over there. Um, yeah, yeah no, I, I think I'm, I'm the same. I like the final outcome. Whoever wins, win. Like if if someone wins, fine. I have my slight preference of who I'd prefer to win, whatever. Mm. But like, I think the biggest injustice, and I think that was, is probably what sits with most of the fans, and also the random people that have tuned in. You know, the people that have just joined and be like, "Oh, what's this F1 malarkey? Oh, this is quite close." To watch and go, but someone just decided the result. Like, yeah, and you know, a lot, obviously we have a lot of different brands in this building, but a few people watch Formula One, but a lot of people don't. And then they watch that race. And then on the Monday, I was having to explain to people why someone won. In football, for instance, you don't have to explain why yes. West Ham beat whoever, you know, because they scored. In Formula One, it was, yeah, well, they let them through, but then they stopped that. And they did the, you know, you shouldn't have to do that. But, it, you know, it is it's done now and it is what it is. And it's, yeah, it's it's a shame because it overshadowed what had been one of the best seasons in as, as far as yeah. I can remember. Absolutely amazing season! Like for them to come into the final race level on points, I was it was. I mean, was it level? Were they actually level? I think it was. Very, yeah, I think they were. Weren't they one point in it? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, which is just like insane considering the whole season, how many races, all of that to come into this this crazy ending um, after yeah. some interesting races. Yeah, it's. I'll admit, I, I was I was I was very pissed off. Not with the who won, just with how it happened and the sort of inconsistency mm. of the application of rules. Like I, I feel like if there's a rule, yeah. you should stick to the way you do the rules. Um, yeah, but that that that's been the, that was the same all, all throughout the season. You know, there has. are incidents where you look at it and you think the penalty there is much harsher than this penalty, but the, the consequence was so much worse. So it is, but you get that, and they get that in every sport, and it. It is what it is, and I just hope we have another close close season this year. Yeah, I'm, I I don't think we will see the back of um, of Lewis at the end of this, you know, before next year. I think yeah, I, I presume he's going to come back. I don't know why he wouldn't. Like, he's clearly at the top of his game um, with a very good team. But it's, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to next season. I think there's yep. so many elements that you're like, oh, this could be interesting. Yeah, definitely. What do you think about the new... Um, I don't know why we suddenly ended up talking about F1. Why not? Um, about the new cars. Do you think we'll... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
get I think it's it's, it's going to throw things up in the air quite a bit yeah a, r- a rule shake up is always good I mean 2009 obviously Braun won because they were the only ones that saw the, the, the viability of the double diffuser and I think we'll get hopefully we'll get something like that this year I mean for us on, on scale electric it's great because it's an opportunity to retool our Formula 1 cars yeah. and, and, and launch afresh with some new stuff hopefully next year um, but yeah any rule change is great just hope that there's reliability and we hope it gives a few unexpected things and if we get to uh, I think it's somewhere in the Middle East it's Abu Dhabi the first race isn't it or Bahrain something like that um, if we get there and Mercedes qualify 1-2 about four seconds ahead of everybody I think I'm going to be pretty disappointed <laughs> yeah. if it's Ferrari that's fine but I don't want anybody you know I want, I've always said I was rather it was a close race and yes. the person I didn't want to win won than I sit on a sofa for two hours on a Sunday yeah. wasting that time because it's a foregone conclusion for the moment so I like to go out that so and so is going to win yeah ultimately we're there. that's what drives our fans you want to watch racing don't want to watch yeah. just a, a lap, sort of, just a couple of people doing a little train. Um, yeah. and, I, and I, you know, it's all very well and good at being a sort of highbrow strategy thing, but really, you don't want crashes, but you want overtaking and you want action and you want yeah. that element of, of competition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. When you're, when, as, bring it back to Skeletrix, when they're taking one of these cars, let's say next season's F1 car, if you're working with one of the teams, etc., how do you convert the car into a model so they get scanned so the one, yeah so with the modern formula one car we will ask the team for cad oh, so nice. they will supply us the exterior cad and we'll base it from that and that's the same with gt3 and anything modern really most manufacturers for anything classic we will go and 3d scan a real car so oh, cool. we just released this year a, a cobra and a mustang a pre-66 mm. cobra mustang and we went down to bill shepherd's mustang down in uh, south london absolutely amazing place we scanned a real 366 Mustang races at Goodwood and his green uh, Cobra that he races with Raymond Dumas at uh, Goodwood. So we'll go and scan the real cars. We used to use drawings and the bits and pieces like that, but we really want to make the cars as accurate as we can these days. So mm. we, we do tend to use 3D scanning. It's a great help. It gives us all the exterior detail we need and then we just put bits and pieces on the inside and then off you go. And does that get scanned with like uh, one of those hand things? it uses a one and an arm yeah it's quite a big unit and it has a sort of crane that comes across and okay. you go along each surface as if you're as if you're washing it but you don't touch it yeah okay that's pretty interesting so with the the f1 if an f1 team is sending you the card model for the exterior of the car yeah presumably let's say you're going to get the t- 2022 whatever something and they do they send you the do you get the like actual a hundred percent detail yeah. external and they're like you do not tell this anyone else about this yeah so we'll, we tend to get most of it yeah they may well cut out bits of the underfloor and stuff which is the secret bits you can't yeah. see anyway which we don't need because obviously we've got the underside yeah. of the car is not going to be as accurate because you've got the, our motor gubbins in there um but yeah we do but obviously you know if any formula one teams are listening to this and thinking right i'm not sending them <laughs> any cat um we do sign some pretty hefty legal documents yeah. to say that we'll keep it secure and we wouldn't we wouldn't do that um well, that's the screwed vehicle, but no, we wouldn't. We wouldn't do that. We yeah. would keep it obviously to ourselves, and, and, and that's it. That's quite fun. That's quite but, fun uh, getting some that of the teams here that work on uh, defense projects, so airfix and stuff like that, get sent some pretty juicy stuff via cab that they're not meant to be sent. I think back on my day on that, we uh, we were told you're not going to get the full cab suite for a certain aircraft, and we definitely did. And there's definitely <laughs> stuff in there we shouldn't have seen. <laughs> was, that's uh, very like, cool. Yeah, that's. I saw yes yesterday. I, I don't. I think this is a rumor. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Apologies if this is absolutely incorrect. There was at the Auto Car, um, yeah, I think it was the Auto Car Awards or something this year. Auto Sport, sorry. Um, there was a 
Mercedes factory tour up for auction. Yeah, and Christian Christian Horner won it on the auction. Christian yeah. Horner bought it. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> Hope he does it. Hope they let him in as well. I, I know there's so many memes of like yeah. him turning up for the tour. Like, just absolutely move. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you been around one of the F1 teams setups? Uh, a bit to McLaren and Williams, yeah. Um, I McLaren's. Uh, I mean, Williams' place is cool at Grove, but McLaren at their technology centre is uh, is awesome. They have yeah. a sort of boulevard up there, historic cars, the lake up front, and all the all the manufacturing bits there. It is a really incredible site. Such really a, yeah, I've been to McLaren to look around some road the road car stuff, and um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Just even just just the way they've set it up, where you drive around the lake, like it's just this. Yes, I'm arriving at. Oh, McLaren. you get to drive. You see get to drive around the lake we have to park in the car park and walk through the tunnel so you're obviously more highly regarded than we are so we do not get to drive around the lake well i was doing a photo shoot on the drive but even then i think we messed around for a little bit and they were like yeah uh it's been someone in their office has decided that you guys are you're you're taking up this lake space like bugger off (laughs) like okay fine we've been here for too long have you have you ever read um agent newey's autobiography yes Yes. Yeah, he says that when they built it, he used to annoy uh, Ron Dennis by refusing to use the car park, parking <laughs> the street away, walking across the field, ran into the lake and into his office because it was quicker. <laughs> I thought that was great. That was a really good book, actually. I, uh, it is. It, Fantastic, it's that book. We, not uh, too nerdy, we, but pretty good. Yeah, we're doing... We should have come out last year, but a few delays on it coming out this year. We've got his Jaguar E-Type that he shared with Martin Brundle at uh, Goodwood. Oh, nice. Put the ball down the side of it. So it's been a real pleasure to, to speak to Mr. Newey about that and to have him on board with the Sky Electric project. That's so cool. That's I, that, that's not so, that's not something I really thought would necessarily happen about these cars. Yeah, you get to meet the owners or the you know the people responsible yeah. for the cars that you're scanning and whatnot. That's quite cool. Who who have who's been the most interesting person you've met through? Oh, Derek Bell. Uh, Derek, Derek Bell. Um, I mean, I don't know what age demographic or listeners mainly are, but Derek Bell was a, or is still a racing driver, but he won Le Mans in 75, and then he won it three more times in the early 80s as well. He drove mm. a Porsche, drove a Mirage, uh, drove a Porsche 917 in the early 1970s. He raced, uh, did a couple of Formula One races as well, mainly grew to fame doing Le Mans, Porsche 956s, 962s, raced right up until the mid 90s in the McLaren F1 GTR, and it's just got, He's just a lovely, lovely man who has just got stories for hours and hours, yeah. and he is fascinating. And he is – I went to a, a, a garage recently with a 3-litre RSR Porsche 1974 mm. car, and they told me that the day before they'd been doing some – a few weeks before they'd been doing some testing with it at Goodwood with Derek driving it. And he was just a track day, and he'd been driving – his proper race car this. He'd been driving the absolute backside off of it. And every time he came to the pits, a different marshal would come over to tell him basically calm it down a little bit because he was just, yeah. you know – <laughs> wasn't overtaking within the rules and really going for it and every time they'd see it was Derek in the car and going oh okay Mr Bell don't worry and sort of toss it off again you know it was he, another rule set of rules for him and it, he was great he had he managed to squeeze me in on a busy day and gave me sort of an allotted half hour to do a quick chat and interview with him I think we were there for about an hour and a half I'm pretty sure he was late for his flight I went down in my sort of track day car on the news in my normal car and yeah. we had a, a 10 minute chat about that afterwards and he was going to take me out in it before his wife dragged him back inside to pack for their triple you know he was just one of those guys that he lives and breathes cars and yeah. driving and he's just a lovely bloke I mean, but in motorsport um i'm yet to meet somebody actually who isn't enthusiastic about mm. it and loves it and um 
you know, it wasn't through work, but I managed to meet Alex Zanardi a few years ago at Brands Hatch when he raced there as well. And he's a, he's a sort of personal sort of hero of mine. And that was amazing as well. And, you know, I'm sure you find it 99.9% of people in motorsport are great to talk to. And if you go talk yeah. to them about cars, then they're more than happy to yeah, they light talk to you up. about it. Derek, I yeah. met him once for a minute he was he was he was with someone I know really well, and they were just walking past. They, I think I was at Spa, and they just walked past me, and I was saying hello to my friend. Um, he was, yeah. And I think Derek was doing a driving tour or something. He was, you know, part of it. And it struck me as one of those people that was just yeah, just so nice, so friendly, mm. so enthusiastic, and like really involved in like what he was doing. He was really like, yeah. he, he could have just been like, yeah, I'm doing this driving tour. I, you know, I get paid, but like. You know, it's no, all right. He, he takes he, an interest in what you're bringing to him with it as well, which is really nice. And most mm. drivers do, 99% of drivers do. Uh, but I think just because Derek is, you know, that, that era of motorsport I've grown up watching, you know, you know the, the guy filmed some of the driving sequences in the Le Mans film, yeah. Steve McQueen for crying out loud. You know, what more do you need? You know, he yeah. raced all those amazing golf prototypes. He raced the Rothmans 962 and 956s at Le Mans. He won in them. You know, and he raced the McLaren F1 GTR. You know, he is just yeah. great. Yeah, absolutely great super 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 cool no very very interesting all those people so you you have a track day car what do you have i have a well it was actually my only car for time which is my missus nicked the other one because she had to drive to her job but it's only a 1993 uh, mark one uh MX, well it's a unos not an mx5 yeah but it's quite a lot of engine work done to it and uh a lot of restoration done on the bodywork recently because obviously it was rotten yeah because um, <laughs> they're all rotten if anyone tells you they've got an MX-5 without any rust on it, they're just not looking hard enough. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so I've got that. I've just sort of stuck it on my parents' drive because just getting too much with it. It's, you know, it's uh, not very standard. It's a bit uncomfortable. It's very hot. Yeah. It's very noisy. And it's just when you go away in business and you have to leave your terraced house at six in the morning, the neighbours do not appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've had to switch it out to something a bit different. Do you, um, do you get out in that much at the moment? Have you, been done, have you been doing any track days or much track you know days? What? I haven't done any since before COVID because it's one of those stupid things where you buy a track day car and you rebuild the engine and you rebuild this and you rebuild the bodywork and you have your wheels done and you think, oh, I don't really fancy covering this in gravel. I'm after buying another track day car. So it's become a Sunday afternoon pub car. Um, that's what it's going to be now. It's going yeah. to be a Sunday. Go to Brands Hatch in it, go to motorsport events in it, use the diesel Merc of the sport for, for work. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm hoping to buy something else i've got another sounds silly but i've got another mx5 a mark one uk car with like low miles and that one really is almost rust free okay yeah and it needs a new front wing that's about it i'm going to sell that and then use the garage space to get something properly classic you know, mm. like an, an anglia or something like that so so a proper classic i do sort of track days and that as well that would be quite fun i i've done a lot of track days in grippy 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 stuff um and i've not i've not really done any track days in um and then something that's got small skinny tires um and oh, I t- you want to come join us on you want to come join us in the slow lane mate it's um <laughs> it's much more enjoyable the, the, you know you, you lot all stream past me in your porsches the feeling i get when i do one of you guys on the braking because my brakes oh yeah gone um into druids or something you know that that's that's worth its weight in gold that is absolutely i i, I totally agree like driving something slower uh, so i did i did a bit of racing in the citroen c1 series and we've oh, done, yeah. done some test days. Uh, we did a test day at Silverstone in a Citroen C1. 
and you're overtaking. I know it's a race car, but it's still a C1. It's got like 70 horsepower yeah. or something. And you mob past someone in a, I don't know, a 911 or something. You're like, oh, come yeah. on, guys. Like, seriously? Yeah, <laughs> I remember I, I did a track day at Brands, and um, there was a guy, that, and he was absolutely brand new. He'd obviously just taken it from the dealership, 911 Turbo. Mm. And he was obviously in a straight line. He was monster bits. Yeah. Corners, he was so slow. And, you know, this is when my mass was really worth about 800 quid. Yeah. So, you know, lift off, brake for paddock, turn it in, chuck it out the curb, and just let it slide over to the outside and he was just getting in everybody's way <laughs> and eventually we sort of me and a couple of other guys and masses did him around the outside <laughs> it. he was just so slow on the apex Matt Fear afterwards was like right yeah let's go let's go let's go because <laughs> it's just such a a win for the little guy almost nipping past someone it like is that. But, it is and you know, I think it, it's tricky because everyone at some point hadn't you know hadn't picked up some driving skills but I do find yeah. it funny that people that have got like zero not everybody in a 911 t- turbo can't drive that's not the case but no. the, you occasionally see on track days someone in something really quite expensive and maybe it's because it's really expensive they're just kind of pootling around but often you know they're they're on the wrong side of the track coming up to the corner and, and those sorts of things and you're like why don't you buy something that costs i don't know less maybe the price of your tires and drive that until the wheels feel, fall off and go in the gravel and make all the mistakes. And then when you come back to drive your fast car, you'll have a lot more fun. And also well, you won't get all these people into you. This is what I don't understand. People spend a huge amount of money on these track day cars. And same with racing, actually. And when I say to them, oh, well, you got an instructor? Well, no. Yeah, what's that? That's just crazy, isn't it? I, I, do, <coughs> sorry, I do most of my track days at Brands Hatch. Mm. Uh, even if I, I haven't been there now for a little while, so I'll definitely do it next time I go. But even if I've been regularly, I'll book a short amount of time with an instructor to yeah. remind me of what the line is, where I'm going, how I can go quicker. It's, you know, okay, tyres are very, very important, but rather than fitting aero bits and all this sort of bits and pieces to your car, just book time with a professional. Yeah. You know, that is that is the best way to go quicker. And these guys whose very, very expensive cars I see going out lap after lap after lap and not seemingly getting any quicker. If they're enjoying themselves, that's great. Keeping out of everyone's way, that's great. I can't talk because, you know, I'm not the quickest guy in the world and I do keep out of everyone's way, but... Just, just book some seat time with someone next to you. It's worth its weight in gold. It really is. And you do have more fun. I, I firmly yeah. believe the better you get as a driver and the more instruction you have and the further down the journey you get, you feel more comfortable driving faster, yeah. pushing faster, and overtaking people is, is better, is more fun than being overtaken. And yeah. the, in the the bigger the, di- the performance difference between the cars, the more fun it is to overtake. So yeah. if you turn up on a track day and you're in the fastest car, you're setting yourself up to fail. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're you're only losing. Like no no one comes in. But yeah, like I have a radical as well. Well, I was about to say a friend of mine bought a radical, mm. and he, he couldn't understand why on a track day he wasn't going as quick as he thought he was. And, you know, I, I've been much quicker than my old Porsche. And he was no slow driver. It's because he hadn't had that instruction yeah. for him to trust that aeromechanical grip. Once you get to a certain speed, it will grip. You've just got to trust it. And he just wasn't quite getting there. When he eventually had some instruction at Donington, I think it was, he came away and thought that was the best day ever. Yeah, because a, a chap had shown him in the morning how to drive the thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, and then when you go to historic stuff, it's even more important because they handle in a completely different way. You know, anyone that does historic motorsport wants to get into that. It was a historic car, they want to take track days. Look at the grid at Goodwood. 
find the people at the front and see if they'll give you a bit of tuition. Yeah. You know, if I'd ever do get an older car for track days, I don't know how much I have to pay him for this, but I want to give Andy Jordan a call and say, look, yeah. come show me how to drive this. It doesn't have any grip or any brakes. How, yeah. how do I get around here? Like, don't worry myself. about that. We'll work it out. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then they just bung it in. <laughs> yeah. I did... Um, a passenger lap with a guy called Ollie Bryant. You might have come across him at some classic races. He yeah, yeah. Um, often races for Historica in a in the two liter cup in a nine eleven, and he he just had taken delivery of he has one of them now, and um, he took me out for some laps. And I've always found there's someone that's really fast. When you watch, there's two styles of I would say classic car driving. There's like super super Larry. And then mm. there's really neat, but still, you've got to have a certain amount of slip that is fast, but there's neat. And they can both be relatively similar in pace. Yeah. But when you get it with someone that's the super, super smooth and you go around the track and you're like, that didn't feel that fast. And that's how you know it was really quick. That's when, when you know you it's that really that fast. Smoothness of it, yeah. And Unfortunately, I, I lack that smoothness, which is why I'm crap at <laughs> go-karting. Yeah. I've, I've, I've done, I would say, minimal go-karting, some, but like lots more track driving and, and training and stuff like that. And it's just, I think there's just stuff about carts that I don't understand as well. Like, yeah, I can well, understand I the basics. Well, I don't think you have this issue, but those of us that are partial to a couple of sandwiches at lunchtime <laughs> are uh, at immediate disadvantage with a go-kart. Ah. I did a bit of go-kart in years ago, and the worst thing is you, you turn up for sort of arriving cart of them, and a little 16-year-old, 15 or 14-year-old lad yeah. walks in or girl with all the gear, and you think, oh, I'm going to get absolutely demolished here. <laughs> like, you weigh about four stone, and you've probably been doing this since you're about five, yeah. so I've got no chance. The, that definitely makes a difference. Unfortunately, I've done some karting with um, Joe Achilles. Have you come across him? So he, he does no. a lot of BMW videos, uh, YouTuber and stuff. And um, we went karting, and he's done a, like a lot of karting. But he's huge. He's like I don't know, six foot four, three, something yeah. like that, and like pretty big, solid. So it's like Bowser of Mario Kart. Yeah, not, not, not quite. I say he's he's, he's had a, a few less uh, less sandwiches, but he must weigh four stone more than me or something ridiculous like that. And yeah. he is so much faster in a cart. And you're like, ah, right, oh, no if, he, if he's carrying success ballast, then he's quicker. Then that, that's no excuse. That's it. You wipe all the excuses off. It's like yeah. you go to a track day and you're like, oh, yeah, no, it's because of my car and my tires or whatever. Yeah. And you get a pro to drive and they, they knock 15 seconds off your lap time. You're like, okay. Yeah, that, that goes back to our point earlier, though, that get a pro alongside you so you can show you how to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, all right, I don't, it's, it says at the top of my thing, upload paused, by the way. Is that oh, still yeah, I, I paused it. Um, I have the option to sort of start and pause it. Um, and I figured if we pause it, then the connection might be a bit better because it's not trying to upload at the same it's time. It's much better. And I'll, yeah, um, it, even on the laptop, it was struggling. So this is working fine now for me. So this is much better. Yeah, okay, cool. As long as it's working, right? Yeah, yeah and I'll, um, I'll re-resume it when we've finished and then you'll you'll have to cool. leave it open or whatnot um so i normally wrap this up with five questions are you ready cool do you have a most yeah, me- memorable driving trip or journey yes my partner and i uh, now my fiance actually we've got this right in case Congrats. she won't um <laughs> we took uh, my old mx5 from we have in kent down to the dordoin for a week in august nice 
and didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> couldn't have the roof down on the motorway to pile stuff up behind the seats. And it was a, it was a slow trip. You know, it was, just, it was a slow little car. It's only at one point eight no ABS. It's not like the modern one. The, the other one I've got now, which is mm. like straight through exhaust, different cams, and spits flame out the back. This is a proper dad MX five yeah. sort of thing. And we took that down there. I always wanted to do it. I always wanted to go to the south of France, my own little two seat sports kind of a sports car. And it was that, you know, it's not, I've done plenty of trips where I've been herring around tracks and stuff like that, but it was that because it was the joy of motoring. It was that yeah. freedom, just the two of us, roof down, driving around the door door in place. I used to visit as a kid with my family in the back of dad's non air conditioned Saab or Ford Granada. You know, it was proper, just enjoyable stuff, trying to fit all the stuff in the boot, trying to work out how much fuel I had to get to the next place. Yeah, that that was by far my best holiday I've ever been on. Uh, and it, because I took, it took the car and it, that's why I've kept that Mazda for so many years mm. because it has those sentimental memories and I've got to get rid of it now. But it's, uh, yeah, it'd definitely, be that. definitely it's, be that. It's it's an absolutely recurring theme amongst guests uh, that I've asked this question to. And, and often people, I've got, I've got some guests that have had like, I've got insane cars and, like, and loads mm. of people like nice cars or access to or whatever. Yeah. And everyone, when you ask them that question, it's always the person, like the people you're with, this sort of journey and funny shit that happens along the way. And then the car is like part of it because it enables the transport, but like, it's, it's not, it's not a massive part of it. Like it, it is, but like what it is doesn't matter that much. You say funny stuff on the way, on the way down, I said to my partner, so we had a sat nav, but I was like, I don't want to go through Paris. Let's try and find a ring road down the outside. The sat nav will try and take us through Paris. I'm on the wrong side of the road. It's very hot. I'm hot. Car's hot. Don't like this. About, we get to near Paris and she's like, oh, no, 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 follow this. No, it's going the right way. It's going the right way. And then we get into Paris. I'm like, hang on a minute. No, this, this is central Paris. Like, this is the <laughs> ring road around central Paris yep. through the tunnels. And it's really busy and it's really hot. And it's like, oh, <laughs> one job. Um, but then when we were down there, you know, on those country roads, it's a really lovely paved and just nice. There's all little villages you're going through, you know, it's just, just great. I mean, I always enjoy the drive to Goodwood as well. And in my other mm. master, I stay down there, get to Goodwood sort of seven o'clock. So leave the accommodation just after six. Beautiful summer's morning, roof down, the thing popping and banging its way yeah. through the trees and stuff. It, it, it's great, but it, you're by yourself, so it's not quite as yeah, quite yeah. As it's so nice that I that convertible thing. I, I don't I don't currently yeah. have a convertible. I haven't, I haven't had one for a while, but and I, I kind of have forgotten. That how much extra you get from having the roof yeah. off, just like driving through trees and you get all the rustles and all that stuff. You're yeah, so much great. more involved. The only problem is, of course, when you're, when you're driving home from work and you're hungry, you put up outside a chippy or a takeaway <laughs> and you get the smells, which isn't, isn't quite so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that sounds 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 like a good one. If you could only drive one car for the rest of your life, unlimited value. I, okay, I, I need to rephrase how I say this because I. It, and make it different every time. You're, you've got one car, unlimited value, and then you have £500 for something else. So you have two cars, one's £500, and one's unlimited. So I think the unlimited value one, that's quite a hard question, isn't it, actually? Mm-hmm. Because it's, for me, of course, I like performance cars, but at the same time, I do a huge amount of mileage. Yep. So it's got to be something I can get. I think I'd have to be quite boring almost and just say like a quick... German saloon because it's all very well and good for me saying I have a Lotus Carlton which is the obvious <laughs> thing that popped into my head but that is not as long as the unlimited value also counts for unlimited servicing yeah I think it includes company. that yeah okay okay in that case um, either a Lotus Carlton or a I think it's got to be a Lotus Carlton 
just because I think that will eat the motorways up. Yeah. And it's still an absolute bruiser. You don't see many of them. Yeah, I think I'll go for something like that. And I'll change my mind tomorrow, but something like that. But for 500 yeah. quid, uh, I'm going to go for an MOT failure master, please, because you can nice. still get it for 500 quid. It's going to be rusted all the way through, but I can put a tow hook on the back of the Lotus Carlton and then tow it to a race circuit and do some track days in it. So Sounds like a that. good good duo, that. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. What do you think is the most undervalued car at the moment? Considering the current second-hand market, it's tricky. But yeah, nothing is undervalued at the moment. <laughs> Everything is ridiculously expensive and overpriced. Um, undervalued. A Ford Puma, the original one, not mm. the four x four. I think if you drive a properly sorted Ford Puma, that is one of the best front-wheel drive chassis ever built. The little one-point-seven Yamaha engine is nice, cracking. They're all really light because there's no metal left in them. It's all rusted through. <laughs> so there's a lightweight front-wheel drive sports car. Yeah, I'd say something like that. Nice, definitely nice. Okay, what's the most interesting car to you at the moment? What are you Googling, looking up? Um, I've just got to be a bit careful with that because I can give away what we're working on here. But if we were talking about sort of what's my sort of most Googled fascination yeah. car at the moment, I'm really into my 70s Porsches at the moment. Mm. So it's the RS, Carrera RS, the RSR, and especially the ones done by the Kramer brothers because they took bits and, and did the bits to it. So the 935K, yes. K79s and K80s that they did. So, um, yeah, that sort of 70s Porsche stuff is really capturing my attention at the moment. We have got one of those in the range, actually, so it's quite lucky I can sort of link it to work. But, yes. Uh, yeah, like I, I love that shit. Love it. Love it. <laughs> that era and, and, and of most, Porsche. Most Googled, of course, is why my Mercedes C220 CDI isn't quite getting up to temperature, but I think okay. it's that. So <laughs> that's the most Googled thing at the moment. And in fact, there's a new firm stat on it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. No, I like that. Yeah, those that era of Porsches. I, I'm a massive Porsche fan. Um, and I, I think as... I'm a big, uh, I'm a big uh, no replacement for displacement sort of ah, fan. Ah, okay. And... Um, I'm not a turbo person. The Mazda, the, the Unos that I'm modifying up, that that will not get a turbo. It's going yeah. to get throttle bodies. You know, it's. I think turbo's cheating. It's kind of boring, isn't it? Why do I want to drive a hairdryer? No, it's. <laughs> you know, the best engine, in my opinion, one of the best things ever done is the K20 that you get in the Civic Type R's. You know, that yeah. sort of. I want to scream to 11,000 RPM. That's what an engine to do. I don't want it just to whoosh a load of torque and then I've got to. I wonder up. if we're going to start seeing that coming back. I had rumours and. The, the Porsche the 911 is going to get it's, it's just a rumour but they made a new engine for the Boxster in Cayman a 4, a four litre mm. uh, 6 and it's rumoured that that might come back and I think hopefully I sort of thought maybe with hybrid these these rules that are coming in we might see more NA hybrid engines rather than turbo hybrid yeah um, it would be nice for me I think when you get those little 1.6 sort of Ford EcoBoost turbos mm. for instance there's a there's a lot of stress on a small engine there, and I just wonder over time how that's going to you know for the for the second hand car buyers yeah. are they going to be able to afford to keep those going? I mean already we're seeing those early two thousands M fives and things like that those sort of yeah. high end performance stuff from that period is a real struggle with electrics to keep going. As we put more and more electronic components into modern cars, will there be as many left going in in, in the future for classic owners and, and second hand owners? Yeah, and and the whole like fuel economy thing that, oh, the turbocharged cars get better fuel economy. Anyone that's owned a turbocharged car knows that they don't get better fuel economy. <laughs> no, not if you're enjoying it, you don't, no. Not in the slightest. No. no. <laughs> I've, never, I've never owned an NA car that got remotely close to, like, 
single digit i've not owned something with massive engine but like single digit mpg figures whereas like pretty much I'm, any I'm, turbo I'm, charge I'm was that? I had an E36, I had an E36 M3 Evo that was not standard, the engine-wise, and that, well, I used to get 1011 out of it, okay. which, um, oh, which I, is not bad going. The, the Mazda does 19, which is fairly crap for a Mark 1 MX-5, let's be honest. <laughs> and that is that, most of it goes to the same side of the back. And is that driving semi-sensibly, or is that driving? No, that's driving like an absolute nutter. No, that's, yeah, yeah. That is, well, but for any police officer that listen, that is driving spiritedly within the rules of the road. Yeah, and it's a Mazda, so you can't be getting that fast. Um Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. You know, even top, top flat out in fifth. I'm not even doing seventy, so yeah, it's fine. Yeah, easy. easy. That there's 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 a lot for that. There's a lot for being able to keep your foot in it and it's still not going that fast. Yeah, like, it feels much fast. more satisfying. Yeah, it's much more. Yeah, feeling fast is better than actually going fast, and that's why you know, I did have clear cups, M threes, turbos, other turbo VAG stuff, stuff like yeah. that, and that's why I love the the Mazda so much because you know what, I can drive it spiritedly and enjoy it, and a I'm not gonna have a massive accident not going quick enough yeah and be not driving up the uh, regulation to the road yeah totally right final question five car garage unlimited value I mean this is like asking what's your um, three three favourite films or what's your two best pets ever you know it's, it's a very tricky one but I think I think we have to there has to be an F40 in it um, has to be an F40 yeah because that is the first car I had as like a big model yeah and it has to be an lm yeah so it has to be in red in this instance i prefer f is in different color to reds but we'll go for red on this one yeah it's gonna have gold split bbs rims nice um that's gonna be a feature by the way of this entire list gold wheels um so that's that's got to be in there i want two points i think i have a 2.7 rs mm. carrera interesting i'm not that fussed on the color or it could be a we'll go for a singer we'll go for a singer because i need a bit yep. of comfort yeah i've yeah. got a radio and whatnot um, I want to get yeah, digital radio so I can listen to talk sports and driving along the motorway. <laughs> yeah. Um, nice leather interior. That, that can be comfy. Yeah. So there's two. And I need something. The Lotus Carlson can be in there. Yeah. That, that, that's free. Definitely. And then the other two, I think we need to go racing. Mm. So other two. What series? Four, well, it's got to be classic. So number four will be a Ferrari 330 LMB. Because, mm-hmm. because they are quicker than a GTO, they are rarer than a GTO, and they are prettier than a GTO. So I want an original 330 LMB, thank you very much. Interesting. I, I'm not... It's, did it's someone do a video longer. about these? Did Carfection or someone do a video about these recently? Hellsport Classic. Tier. I don't know if you've, you've spoken to them, but they're, they're a great, great bunch of guys. They make a sort of um, continuation type thing of it. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Obviously, for Unlimited, Car Garage, I have one of the original, I think, five of were made in period. Oh, yeah, this, um, this is cool. Good choice. It's lovely. It's an absolutely stunning, stunning car. And I would have it not at like full Goodwood spec. Yeah. I wouldn't have it so it's going to win the RSE TT celebration. I'd have it so it can race, but I can go to the pub. Yeah. In it, and leave it at the pub. Uh, you know, and, and do that sort of thing. In it. And I would use it. And I would use it as often as I possibly could because if you own a car like that, and I know many owners do, I know there's a chap up in the Midlands with a 250 short wheelbase who collects his kids from school in it. Nice. Um, you know, it, it's use that car because as, as, as people like me um, who just will never ever have the means to own something like that when you see one on the road it brightens your whole day yeah. I remember an absolutely awful journey back from surfing once I, I pulled up next to an NSX Type R in a petrol station and he was like I can't believe I'm using it today and I was like well, I'm glad you are 
Yeah. I'm really hungover and I want to be sick. that is that that is so true like you if you are lucky enough to be able to for whatever reason have have some of these cars it's that other people say i had an f40 for a bit i don't know whether you know that um it was blue wasn't it it was blue yeah and yeah they see that around it was a cool choice the times like most times you took it out someone at some point would come up to you or they've taken a photo and then they send it to you or yeah. whatever. And they're like, I've never seen one. I've never seen one in the flesh. Like, Oh my God, you might be at a petrol station or whatever. And then you're like, okay, cool. I'll give it a bit of beans on the way out of the petrol station. And yeah. it's like straight pipes, makes all the noises or whatever. And you can just see their face just like light up. Like, Oh, this yeah. is so a- cool. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Seeing something like that is if you look at Carl's as art, Instead of looking at them as just a white mm. good from getting from A to B, if you look at them as a, a bit of art, a bit of automotive sculpture, it's like you know walking around a, a footpath somewhere and coming across a amazing sculpture, yeah. Anthony Gormley sculpture or something like that. You know, you don't expect it. You expect to see Kias and Hyundai's and three twenty Ds and yeah. Ford Focuses and stuff like that, and all of a sudden you see an F forty or a you know I saw an original Cobra out the other day on the road, which the guy looked mm. absolutely freezing. But, <laughs> you know, it's 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 just the best thing, and I've. I've got one more space in the garage, haven't I? You do. And there's about seven or eight things going around <laughs> in my head. So I think, and it's, I think it's got to be another racing car. Okay. And I think at this point, actually, I, there's three in my head that are sort of going around, which ones are yeah, like yeah. I think it's got to be a BMW 3.5 litre CSL. Oh, yeah. Uh, the I think it's got to be as well that it's not that. Like, this is very, very nerdy, and I apologise for your listeners. It's not the later version with the big wide arches and, and okay. the big rear wing on the back. It's a slightly earlier version, the 73, 74 cars that raced at Spa and things like yeah. that. That's the one I want. Uh, John, Joe, John Danby Racing, I think, have got one at the moment there, which Jake Hill tests a lot, and that, that sort of livery Interesting. Is what I like. Yeah. Nice. And then that but actually, that, yeah. that looks like great um, racing in yeah. those cars. Yeah, like- and then- it's it's eligible. Like, I, I can do in the CSL. You could do club motorsport. Mm. If you really want to race something like in club motorsport, or I could go right up to actually racing at Le Mans, at Le Mans yeah. Classic, because they they're eligible for that as well. So it's got that great thing. It's normally aspirated, um, as I think, well, not not the list is, but um, you know it's yeah. But yeah, so much in my head. There's so much. <laughs> there's no Mark One Escort on that list at the moment, which is just not right at all. There's no minis. I grew up driving minis, so there should really be minis on the list. There's no space frame specials no single seaters it's it's tricky yeah people say, like, <laughs> if you won the euro millions what would you do with that kind of money and i'm like one edition of octane and one edition of classic and sports car give me your phone give me 10 minutes there's no there's no gta there's no julia's in there it's it's yeah there's no modern stuff either it's, uh, it is insane yeah. how if you say like i think someone won the euro millions last week and won like 110 yeah nine million on friday yeah, yeah. yeah and uh you're like if you wanted to suddenly it's actually mad if you went okay you could have go and buy a bunch of cars like you could and you wouldn't you could just literally within about in a five car garage probably that money gone <laughs> oh, I could. yeah quite easily i mean it, it's it is yeah it's not the world isn't it really but i mean the thing is, I'm I'm happy just with the, the Mercedes and the Mazda at the moment. I've got the comfy car, and then I've got the uncomfortable, horrible one for uh, for enjoying myself in. And as long as you have something, I think that gives you a smile on your face yeah. once or twice a year when it's actually working. I think that's uh, that's all that that's all Abs- that matters. Absolutely. And I've like 
I've been lucky enough to own some pretty mad cars. And at the moment, I've sold most stuff. Um, and I've realized the enjoyment for me is having a car, one that I like, but also that I will use. It's got to be what car I'm going to use. And also that I'm not that worried about. Whatever that everyone has that value for them. Yeah. Whether it's five hundred pounds or fifty million if you're a bazillionaire, whatever it is. But if you're not comfortable using it or you're like kind of worried about it, you don't have as much fun. Yeah, and uh, and I find that so with the I live at sort of terraced terrace streets mm. in a local town called Fabersham. And with the master one I had the, all the bodywork resprayed, had every single panel either resprayed or replaced if it was yeah. lost, was was too far gone on it. And then I had to park it on the street oh. where everyone parks. Yeah. And I've got a set, or I did have a set of Watanabe three-piece split rims on it, which had coloured gold. And um, I thought, I don't have any locking walnuts on those. Yeah. So I had to rush out and buy a set of locking walnuts because <laughs> I was like, you know, those wheels are really quite valuable. And yeah, it's, whereas my missus has got, I just bought a little Fiat Panda 100 HP mm. a few years ago, just a little run around and I've given it to her to use. She's a teacher, goes off to teach yeah. for the schools in it. And uh, that, I don't care where it gets left. Like she can park that wherever she wants, and she often does park it wherever she wants because of the amount of tickets. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's quite liberating to have a car you don't care about. But I think if I had the sort of money to afford a three thirty LMB, then I would treat it like that. Because yeah. what's someone going to do? You know, someone could scratch it, someone could key it, and it would annoy me. Uh, someone could bump to the back of it. Yeah, whatever. But end of the day, it's only a bit of metal, isn't it? So yeah. you know, it is. And. Actually, because I always used to think uh, like Goodwood and stuff like that. When you see these cars racing around, you're like, oh, and they always say this grid is worth uh, 300 million. And you're like, well, if they were all real, maybe it would. But ignoring that fact, even the replicas are exceptionally expensive nowadays. um, That if you've got a car that's it's, let's say it's worth, I don't know, 5 million or something or 10 million or 20 million. It's a short wheelbase competition or something. The actual car part of that it's still just metal and bits and paint and whatnot and if you dent it you take it to a body shop probably take it to a good like a you know high-end body shop and they will dent out cover it up and it might cost you whatever like a grand or a couple of grand or whatever to fix it it's not oh shit i've just smashed in five million yeah i mean there are some cars out there which are on the original body panels and i I get that you know but at the same time, you get the Lintner E-Type that's back out now that had an absolutely horrific crash at um, Reams, I think it was, and it completely destroyed the car, and now it's back. And you yeah. think, well, there wasn't a straight panel on that, there wasn't a straight bit of chassis on it either. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it, it, you've got to go out there and enjoy them and, and use them. And uh, what's the point? And I don't don't actually like visiting car museums because I think no. the car museum is just too static. You know, I want I to agree. see the cars being used, I want to hear them, and that's what it's all about. And, you have a car and lock it up in your garage like you know some of the guys in the middle east do the, the sultans and stuff with these like f1 gtrs and every yeah. single color well, that's great but if only you know about it that's kind of weird like and if they don't move use them they don't get them. used yeah yeah that's, what's the point it's pretty you, sad i get that with art because art, but automotive art is different these these cars are visceral they move they're living so yeah and I, and I i understand people that don't drive stuff i i i actually get the if it's an investment side of it. Personally, mm. I it doesn't sit that well with me. Maybe just it's to do with space. If I had loads more space and I was like, I think that's a great investment, but it's a great investment if I don't drive it, I could probably have it in the garage and not drive it. 
but I look I at cars and I, I have to drive them. And if they don't get driven, I have to get rid of them. That, that's the difference, I think. I think if you're a car person through and through, then you can't help yourself but drive it. Yeah. Because that's what it's there for. That's why you've got it. I think if you're an investment person, do us a favor and buy diamonds and houses. Um, and maybe the rest of us will keep on playing with cars. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, today, the price of second-hand cars at the moment has gone absolutely mental. So it's, I think more and more people are buying them for, for investment. And uh, The... The move that I, I've heard of people doing and I know of people doing is, is, is when they buy two. <laughs> like they, they really think it's going to go up and they buy two. And one. Well, Anna Simon did that with those, those Yaris, those new Yaris things. Oh, okay. DMI yeah. And whatever it is, yeah. Yaris. He bought two and he sold them both on straight away, put his name down for another one with one, and the other one he's made sort of eight, nine grand profit on it. Nice. You know, and it's like, okay, great. You know, yeah, I went and inquired about one and I was told, yeah, it's going to be like early next year before we can get one yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> but um yeah it's a, it a crazy world out there but i mean I i'm surprised you didn't ask any questions like what's your most no question for you then what's the most overrated car you, you asked underrated what's the most overrated what, do you think what don't uh, you get all modern turboed cars not like <laughs> not, not like that but like <laughs> high end high like high high big big value turbocharged cars because i think they don't deliver the old school turboness which was kind mm. of fun and also certain engines old turbocharged engines still kind of sounded good um the sort of modern whatever like a i don't know 488 or a take it up a notch whatever that sort of stuff i just yeah. don't i just don't get it now like no I, 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 admittedly, I've not driven a 488 with like everything off, and I imagine that's quite int- like quite an experience. But it gives mm. me no fizz. I get no fizz from any of those cars, and I know they probably wouldn't choose to make turbocharged cars if the regulations didn't sort of mess with them. But I just I get nothing. I get absolutely nothing yeah. from all of those cars. And give me something NA. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or older, and it can be. Tur- I, I really fancy an old uh, 911 turbo or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a proper. Yeah, that's something to properly focus your mind. You can't relax on that when you're pushing on, like a 993 turbo or a yeah, 964 turbo. Or something like that. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, that's, that's a bit Larry. Like, I want a 964 turbo on my list, really. But, you know, it's. it's Yeah, something like that is definitely on my. There's space for turbos, and that's all at once a lot of boost rather than more. yeah and it, like the f40 was was very much like that it was a quite a fun car to drive um mm. it, like lots of boost and would light up the rears it, it's, it's got to have enough boost that traction becomes an issue if traction is yeah. is an issue then like eh, so what like you're just going fast and i'm very much not that on a road doesn't matter like, so fast you can go yeah absolutely exactly I want to be going flat out and not be doing 200 miles now yeah no I get that but yeah what do you think what do you think is the most overrated car at the moment or type of car I don't care how fast your Range Rover is I still hate it <laughs> alright and I don't get me wrong if I lived on an estate if I win the Euro Millions I'm buying a Range Rover I'm yeah. buying a Range Rover with a nice high you know nice high suspension range on it something like that if you're going out and you're buying that ferrari suv look at yourself in the mirror every morning and think, <laughs> as a child did you really need to grow up and be this person it's just i just don't get it if you want a big car and you want to go quickly 
get a Audi S6 estate, yeah. get an S8, a Bentley, Bentley Saloon, not the Bentayga, because that is something else in terms of looks. Because those of us that drive little cars, by the way, but then you come up behind us really quickly on the motorway, all I can see is your number plate, and frankly, it's terrifying. If you hit me, I'm going to die. And I don't like that. The rest of us shouldn't have to drive around in cages because you drive 500 brake horsepower, five-ton monsters yeah. that are completely just unnecessary and i wouldn't you know if you want to buy them absolutely that's great but you know that and golf ours don't you not a fan of golf, <laughs> it's golf. Yeah, i cool. think uh, i like sound good and for me there's a caveat on some of those high horsepower suvs now it wouldn't be i'm not an suv person really like i, I quite fancy a range rover or something at some point because they're really comfy and they're really yeah, they're isolating absolutely. But I would rather have an S-Class estate. Like, a genuinely, if they made an S-Class estate, I would rather have that over yeah. any Range Rover because it's actually comfier and it handles and it goes around a corner. You don't feel like you're going to fall over and all of that, that sort of stuff. But the Ferrari V12 SUV, I think a bit silly, but I understand having the Ferrari one if it has the V12 NA engine in it. Like... If it has to be an yeah. SUV, because that sa- engine sounds amazing. If it's a turbo V8 and it's got 707 horsepower or whatever from another manufacturer that's coming out recently, like, so what? I, I don't care that your SUV does 0 to 60 in 3 point whatever seconds. It's still a boat. Yeah. Terrifying is that, though. That, that SUV does 0 to 60 in like 3 seconds. <laughs> so in the side, how quickly, therefore, you could get yourself into serious. Yeah. I know they've got big brakes on them. They won't stop that quickly. And it's just a bit, I don't know. It just, you know, if you look at something, you think, oh, that's it doesn't make an amazing sense. feat of engineering. Don't get me wrong. If any manufacturers listen to this, what you're doing is incredible. And the fact that Porsche, those KNs are so yes. good to drive, and they're so quick, and they're so capable, amazing. Your engineers are doing a fantastic job. You really, really are. But from a road user's perspective, I just find them, it's a strange thing to want. It, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. But then again, I quite happily drive around in a 30-year-old car that is, often has an exhaust leak. So, you know, what, what the hell do I know? So Yeah. But it, it's just weird, isn't it? It's like we've, we've sort of the epitome of a modern car at the moment by society or manufacturers or whatever seems to be like a really crazy SUV. And I think that is it's just odd. Like, they're not... I I've struggled getting in a car like if I had a, a Range Rover for example and it got 15 M- or 20 mpg everywhere you know like, that just seems ridiculous like if you if you can buy the mm. same car but an estate version that's faster handles better comfier but will do 30 mpg like well surely like is there not part of your brain that goes driving this br- large brick around is stupid I don't know yeah I mean I it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you speak to non-car people about what car they're going to buy next, and so my, my partner's best friend is looking for a new car, and she sent me that a list, and it was an Audi S RS3, Golf GTI Club Sports, and a BMW 140i. And I said, look, these are all amazing cars. Like, these are absolutely fantastic cars. It, but why are you spending this much money? Like, you realise that for the same amount of money, you could buy yourself, like, a, a really nice anything actually you know this this amount of cash you're not into your cars you don't service it um you don't look after the tires you don't do this don't do that like you know this is just going to cost you more money but oh but you know it's it just it's cool isn't it yeah it's it's cool but like 
it just seems odd that you know, I'm, I'm not particularly into washing machines. So therefore, yep. when I go into a Curry's, I will buy the first washing machine I see because I don't care. Same yep. with fridges. Same with shirts, to be honest. You can probably tell from the yep. video. <laughs> and so therefore, I'm not that fussed. And yet people who aren't into cars more and more now seem to be just buying the really, really high-end ones. And it's great for us in the second-hand market. I'm not trying to be snobby about it, but I just don't really get it. I just don't understand. But, you know, it's yeah. great. But then when you look at the performance of these cars, like we've just said, I do wonder sometimes if some of these people have ever driven a performance car and done a track day and understand the physics of it when it all starts to go a bit wrong when the road's a bit slippy. Yeah. Um, you can Especially end up having a very big ones. accident. And that's what, that's what concerns me. Yeah. Well, we could, I think we could go on on this topic for a long, yeah, <laughs> long, 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 long time. Um, yeah. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. It's been no, good. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much for, for having me. And I hope, uh, hope your listeners have enjoyed it. And uh, I hope they maybe play with some scale electric in the near yeah, future. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, if, sure. if it looks cold and wet outside, they can play with cars on their living room floor instead. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.